Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to part two of the Stompcast, Anna Richardson. Let's carry on from where we were. Well, I mean, you're talking uh, as a uh, as someone who understands this area in terms of therapy and, and mental health, and that's because you do know, because you... See, I segued that. Um, that, that, was, that was slick, that Alex. Was slick I'm impressed with that. I shouldn't have even called out. Um, you, you've been interested, I mean, from all the shows that you've done, you've been interested in uh, human behaviour and psychology. It's pretty obvious from that, from the list of kind of shows that you've done, the Channel 4 and, and so on. Why did you decide to train in an area of mental wellbeing or mental health? In cognitive hypnotherapy? Well, yeah. for, for, for a couple of reasons, really. I mean, I am very interested in mental health anyway. I've had uh, therapy on and off for the last 25 years, and I still keep my therapist on hand if I feel that I need to go and speak to her. And I've seen the effect that she's had on my life and how she's managed to transform certain situations for me. So I'm interested anyway, and I'm interested in the power of transformation. Now, in terms of training to be a cognitive hypnotherapist, that was a very specific, quite extraordinary situation. A few years ago, I was presenting a show for Channel 4 called Super Size Super Skinny, yes. which was a diet show. Mm. And at the time, I'd been working in TV production, actually. I was, I was uh, an exec producer. So I used to pitch to Channel 4 all the time. And one of the commissioning editors there said, look, I know that you're a producer, but we've got this show and it's about dieting. And I mean, you know, mm. you're, you're, a bit, you're a bit spunky. And let's face it, you could do with dropping a couple of dress sizes. So right. do you fancy taking on this, this reporter's gig of trying a different diet every week and reporting back to the nation? I thought long and hard, Alex, because mm. you know yourself from having a different career you know you are a qualified doctor having worked in the NHS you're now a very successful broadcaster you know that you can chop and change careers and you can be flexible in that way and successful but it's not easy no, no, so it's... I had to really think very very hard about do I want to give up a successful career as a program maker and become a TV presenter anyway I did because I thought here's an opportunity let's go with the opportunity so off I went, had to try a different uh, crash diet every week for eight weeks. And there was one particular method that I had to try, which was to go and see uh, a very well-known hypnotherapist called Marissa Peer, mm. who claimed mm. that she could help me lose weight in one session of hypnosis. I can remember standing outside her house with the crew and going, oh, what a load of bullshit this is going to, this is going to be absolutely hilarious. In we pile... Four hours later, I came out and I was like, oh my God, what, what's just, what has just happened there? And I remember every single detail. Marissa took me back to when I was four years old. Never thought of this ever before. When I was four years old and she said, take me to the moment that you first had a problem with food. My mind went straight back to being this little girl. And my mum had been taken into hospital to have my little brother. Mm. 
But she had placenta previa, so she was very, very unwell yeah. for a few weeks. But as a little girl, I didn't know where she'd gone. So I was a very sort of traumatised mm. kid that didn't know where my mum had gone. And to try and comfort me, my dad fed me. Mm. So he was left to look after me mm. and he would just feed me and feed me and feed me and I got fatter and fatter and fatter mm. as a kid and that's where my problem first started with food so and with consumption. It's interesting how they, with something that you wouldn't think, I mean, I, I, I've read a bit into her because I think it's a fascinating area, I'd love to actually go and try it, in fact I am going to try it, yeah. but, but um, it's, it's interesting, I was reading how they do that and they take, or how you do that, and you take someone without even realising back to a moment because it's not something yes. they probably ask themselves before, it's probably not a question you it's not, it's not a conscious. It's not a conscious thing. It there and your brain goes to this yeah. image or this time and then you, you unpick that, don't you, with the, the yes. therapy to kind of to identify and then address. You, right? you, you, you reframe, well I'll go, I'll, I will go, I'll go into why it's so powerful. Good. To sort of finish off with with Marissa, I, I came out of that session and while I was sort of under, in, under hypnosis, she said to me, you're not four anymore, you're a grown woman, so you don't have to use food to hurt yourself or to comfort yourself. So she said, I want you to imagine uh, the size that you want to be. Look, look, at, look at some scales in front of you. What weight do you want to be? And in my mind's eye, I said, I want to be nine stone. I said, okay, fix that, in, that image in your head, nine stone. See it really clearly. When I came out of the whole session, spoke to the camera, and I went, that was absolutely mental, right? I mean, I, I saw being this four-year-old this four kid, I've got problems with food, I now know that I want to be nine stone, I'm way off that, you know, this is mad. Within two and a half months, I've got to nine stone. So, do you think, to, to, to kind of um, provide a devil's advocate though, is that because you'd set a target in your mind and you'd wanted to get to that weight? So, to explain how hypnosis mm. works and hypnotherapy works, mm. it's the power of the subconscious mind. So, I'm sure you, you forgive me if, if I'm speaking to, mm. to the converter, because I'm sure you know mm. a lot about this anyway, but obviously you've got your conscious mind and your unconscious mind. So, your conscious mind is when you go into uh, a sandwich store and you look up at the menu and you go, ah. Oh, do I want cheese or do I want bacon? Which one do I want? It's actually the sort of decision-making yes. brain. Very simple decisions. Your unconscious mind controls 90% of what we do. So it's your emotional brain. Its job is to protect you and its job is to drive you away from pain and towards pleasure. So there's a, a very simple analogy that, that we talk about with how powerful mm. this particular part of your brain is, which is if you're in a car, mm. you're driving home, You've got your mate sitting next to you, you're having a conversation with your mate. You've also got the radio on and you're listening to the news reports on the radio. Okay, so you're having a conversation, listening to the radio and driving the car. How do you know how you're going, which way to go home? Yeah, you just how, follow Who's it. driving the car? Yeah, so that's your unconscious mind. mind. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. And it's often powerful. only when someone, something happens, like in a distance you spot a potential danger that the conscious mind comes forward and goes, I need to either break or avoid or do something. I mean, all right, I'm not talking about reactions and like gut reaction. I'm just saying like in the distance, isn't it? Then there's a decision to make. Or do I slow down? There's a horse in the distance. Now I'll slow down. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I'm here. I'm in, you know, Clenetley, wherever it, you are. The, yeah. that, that, that's yeah. exactly it. So, yeah. so the, the, the power of your subconscious, and just to explain you know, how does it work? Why is it so powerful? You give it a better reason. So all so let's say you, you are a smoker, mm. right, for example, and you've tried everything to give up smoking or drinking or food or whatever your particular addiction happens to be. There's always an emotional reason behind it. So using hypnotherapy, you give your unconscious brain a mm. better reason to give up. Mm. 
So often... Well, it's hugely powerful for, for smoking. I've heard it very, very successfully okay. for smoking. Isn't that true? For smoking, like you said, said, smoking is very, very powerful. Yes, and, and it can be very difficult to break that bond because often people associate it with being cool. And so they want their identity to be really, really cool and rebellious and anarchic. And I smoke because I'm really effing cool. And that's quite a difficult thing to break because how do you say to your subconscious mind, you're not cool? I mean, you give it a better reason, which is actually you want to save your own life. It's cooler to live. Mm, yeah. So anyway, anyway, so that's the power of the subconscious. And actually, we were talking earlier when we first met off, off the record that, you know, how great you're looking and how much weight you've lost. And you said, well, I just very clearly made a decision. Well, actually, your, your subconscious mind made the decision that you no longer wanted to drink so much. You wanted to take care of your health. It's a mm. better reason mm. well yeah i mean like for me i mean I, I for context i mean people have said oh you look like you've lost weight or people online have noticed it but i actually have never weighed myself i don't count calories my goal was actually never around weight per se really uh -huh. my goal was um i wanted to train more i wanted to eat more mind i wanted to fuel my body i wanted to live longer i want to reduce the risk of cardiovascular there you disease. go and a big one for me as well is i just wanted to take control of my life back and with the drinking i mean you know for context it's very important to say i'm being alcohol free now for 160 plus days but it for me it was uh, i was very fortunate to make a choice it was a health choice i've never been addicted so i made a choice of like i don't want to drink because I want to have the benefits of not drinking. And so that culmination so, is what you see, I guess. Yes, but we would say that mm. that decision that you made was your unconscious mind giving you yes. a better reason. Yes. And, and it yes. was, I wish to be yes. healthy yeah. and take yeah. control of my health. I wanted to feel healthy. I wanted to be present for my life. I wanted to feel things you've got to feel good and bad and i think that overwhelming choice has meant that you know when you're faced with a decision of like oh shall i have a drink others having a drink no actually i won't and you're right often that isn't even a conscious decision now it's just it's rumbling along that actually i want to make decisions that are associated with this goal that i have yeah. without even realizing almost yeah that's it you don't even realize that, that you're you're better so yeah that's the power it's, of, it's unbelievable and I think tapping into that I mean I talk about it a lot in well not even shamefully to plug my book but the mind manual I really d digged into all this because as I wrote this whole book I was like learning all these techniques and I was learning about the subconscious mind and things and I've tied in so much of what I've done or what I do now is in there because I kind of did that as I was going through all this kind of unlearning and, and relearning and, yeah. and so much of it is about it. how do you ingrain like a habit isn't it a habit is something that you don't make that conscious decision all the time a habit yeah. is by definition is that subconscious mind almost yes isn't it? So yeah. how do you create habits that withstand exactly and uh, I can't say it enough you know just don't forget your your subconscious mind controls 90% of what we do yeah that's really it's a really interesting uh, point thing but I'd like to just ask you though about the um you know, because you've done, yeah, the, some of the, the, the diet show, Supersize, super yes. Skinny. How does that, how has that affected your relationship with your own body and the view? Because let's be honest, diet culture has, it was very in years ago. I think people are much more aware now that, you know, a lot of these diets actually, you end up being the same weight or heavier afterwards. Yeah. If, if you don't yes. tackle that subconscious yeah. side and build that longer habit. And also, and I guess a lot of the premise of why we, we, we made a naked education is that people it's a lot of it's been accepting of your body and its imperfections anyway i mean yeah it's like who why are we trying to be you know sorry to pick up on it but say nine stone it's just a 
figure on a scale. Yeah. Like, yeah. Your happiness shouldn't be tied, arguably, to those things. Yes. It should be self-acceptance. And that's why, I must say, I don't know how much I weigh and I didn't look at it because actually I am happy because of how I live my life, not because of that. Do you know what I mean? I totally see what you're saying. And you're quite right to say that we fixate too much on being, in inverted commas, the perfect size or the perfect weight or, or you know, the, the weight we should be. By the way, the reason I picked that particular um, weight was because I knew in my sort of hypnosis state that that was a weight I was happy at yeah. and the look, if you like, that mm. I was happy at when I was mm. younger, when I was a student. Mm. But you're right. Um, we focus too much on weight and, and on size. And I'm glad to see that there's a shift now into accepting all of our glorious differences in our bodies. I totally agree with you. And I also agree with you that I think the shift now, the focus is more on health, exactly. isn't it? It's more on health rather exactly. than I need to be skinny or yeah. thin or whatever. Um, or guys want to be big or bigger than they exactly. are and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's now about health. And now that I'm 52, so I have done on and off diet shows, I guess, over the last sort of 20 years. And in fact, I created... Uh, a very well-known diet show, You Are What You Eat, with Gillian yeah. McKeith years ago. So this has been very much part of my sort of landscape. But now that I've hit my early 50s, at, at the beginning of the year, and you touched on this earlier when we were chatting off mic, I made a very clear decision about I've really got to start taking my health mm. more seriously mm. because my dad is diabetic and has vascular dementia. He's had several strokes and a heart mm. attack. My mum is pre-diabetic. And I'd had a ton of bloods done at the beginning of the year because I thought, I've got to get on top of this. And I am just bordering pre-diabetes. Mm. I mean, you know as a doctor anyway that if you've got both sets of parents that are diabetic, mm. your likelihood of becoming diabetic is 60% higher. Mm. than it. So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned And being pre-diabetic is an important... It's a scary time, but it's also an important opportunity to flick that, isn't it? And to exactly. Change the, you've got, we just took a left and a right here at this junction, and in a way, that pre-diabetic state might be an opportunity to take left or right, depending on genetics, lots of factors, but there is a potential road there for some, isn't there? Uh, totally. And, you know, I loved what you were saying earlier on about how you, you wanted to take your health seriously. And for me, it was the same. So in a way, my doctor did a real favour for me by doing all of my blood tests. You know, I had everything done. I went for the whole sort of Doppler on my neck and, you know, an echocardiogram, everything. Get a full health MOT. It's good to have that at times. Do you sure. know, in midlife, for me, I was like, I'm prepared to go full health MOT. I need to know what's going on. And yeah. also, I'm, I'm menopausal, so that can affect the body in, in different yeah. ways, you yeah. know, in terms of your cardiovascular health and diabetes and all your the rest of it. Your bone health, your muscular exactly. health, all of those things, yeah. So it was a real wake-up call for me to go, oh, OK, this looks like I'm bordering on pre-diabetes. Oh, guess what? My cholesterol's way too high. You know, it's a real opportunity, isn't it, to go, it's not that I want to be thin. Mm. It's that I want my body to work it's well. It's the why that's really important. And yeah. that's the point. Is that In the context of everything and accepting our bodies and body image, there's also remembering that we've got rising rates of diabetes in yes. the country and things like that. So I think that's where people... I think, it's, and it's understandable because there's so much mixed messaging going up there. There's a difference between going, right, I accept my body and how it is. Because what being fit and healthy for one person and body size can be very different to another person. You know, interestingly, and um, I believe it's the BMI of 27, 
but actually the in terms of life expectancy and um, mortality so basically how long you live you're actually best having a BMI almost just into the so you've got the normal BMI just on the edge of that where you're bordering being overweight that's Seriously? actually yeah, if you look at BMI I believe off the top of my head and we'll change it in the show notes if I'm wrong it's tw I think it was BMI of 27 but anyway it's right on the the numbers are relevant it's right on the edge of that normal BMI That's and overweight that is actually rather an opposed to being on the other side of it or well, you're the, then going to be really yeah, underweight it's actually slightly on that edge and but when it comes down to it, like you said, it's it's the vehicle of why that matters. So, yeah, for me, it was like, look, I'm 32. Like what I do in the next 10 years in terms of my coronary arteries and all that really matter. There's heart disease in my family. Yeah. I had my cholesterol checked. It was a bit high. Was it? Yeah. And so I, I, I was like, hang on here. Like, what's the plan here? And, you know, it's interesting. I hear people often say, yeah, but I'm so busy. I'm really busy. And obviously it's a, it is, it is, let's all accept this. It's a privilege to be able to care about the minutiae of your health. Yeah, or you're right. Your it is you're an absolute right. privilege. Yeah. But for those of us who, who can, if you're able to squeeze in some little things each day, it's really important to do so because, do you know what? Your job is important, of course it is. You need to pay the bills and you know all these kind of things. But you can't do that if your health is suffering, can you? If Absolutely. you're not healthy mentally or physically, then eventually the rails, you know, you run out. The rails run out, don't well, they? Well, the, the, the wheels fall out. And the wheels and fall out. Exactly. Right, so, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as, as part of my sort of health resetting, like, I mean, you're further down the road than I am. I've only recently just started in the last sort of two, three months. But I decided, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. Yes, we've got a cost of living crisis. I get that. We're all feeling it. I have to take on a trainer, though, for my health. So I've started working out with this guy. And a lot of the stuff that we're doing is sort of lower body strength. And it, it seems quite boring. And the other day I said to him, do you know what? You know, I, I kind of, I want to sort of sculpt a bit more. I feel like we're doing a lot of quite dull exercise. He said, the reason we're doing this is we're building up your lower body because now in your middle age is what will predict how you're going to be when you get older. And the reason we're doing this now is because when you're older and you fall over, because that's what old people do. I mean, I'm calling an ambulance for my dad every five minutes. Mm. As and when you fall over, guess what? you'll be able to get back up again. One of the strongest indicators for life expectancy is your bone density. Now we measure that, we call a DEXA scan. It's a, it's a form of, of imaging, but effectively, what, what it means is that the, the more you keep the density of your bones up, the longer you're likely to live because you're less likely to have what we call fragility fractures where yeah. fracture, you know, your, your bones aren't strong enough, but also you're able to musculoskeletally keep moving and by keeping moving, your heart stays fitter and healthy and it's all that positive thing. And it was a really interesting one with my, um, I, I worked in an elderly care ward uh, early on in my um, junior doctor years and one of the consultants said, he said, allow me this example. He said, actually, a lot of the time when we're getting up for elderly people on the train, we're doing them a disservice or we're carrying their bags or, you know, when families take over life for the uh, yes. elderly people. Because you're taking away the shopping bags, which is building up their strength. You're making them sit down all the time, which yes. is affecting their stability. Now, I'm not suggesting we don't get up and, you know, politely offer seats for elderly people. But the idea he was trying to say was actually, as you get older, try and keep doing as much as you can because 100%. that is what keeps you fit and strong and so you know particularly if you're going around the age of the menopause yeah we know that's a time that if you don't really 
do resistance training yeah. or you don't try and keep the bone density up then it can drop off and resistance training effectively means anything that you kind of musculoskeletal need to push against so it can be yes people talk about weights and things like that but it can be body exercise it can be, body it can be sitting and standing yeah. from a chair yeah. is, a, is a good exercise for the lower legs sitting and standing sitting and standing or walking up and down steps all of those are brilliant ways to keep your bone density up but 100%. it's important it's really important well, that brings us, I think, nicely onto the end of part two of the stomp cast. We've got one more part to go. Are you enjoying the stomp? Oh, I'm Such loving a nice the stomp. Place. Such a Hampstead Heath is so beautiful. We've gone through kind of fields, forestry, paths. We've been by. We've got water, water now. Water. Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I love the heath. It's very important to me. The heath. It is a beautiful part of the world. See you all in part three very soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.